0: What's something you said you would never do, but you ended up doing it anyways? I invite you to put your answer in the comments. I asked this question earlier this week in our Facebook group, and I got a few answers from different people. Uh, Cindy said that she would never ride Splash Mountain because she didn't like roller coasters. Teresa said that she would never speak in front of people. Linnea said that she would never go skydiving. Gina said she would never move away from Newfoundland. Renee said she would never be baptized. Karen said she would never own a microwave. And my wife said that she would never marry a pastor. Well, luckily for me, some things that we say we'll never do, we end up doing. And that's what's gonna happen with Peter in this passage. Something that he never thought he would do, he will end up doing it. We all do it in one way or another. Sometimes it's little things and sometimes it's big things in life. And when we realize that we do this, we can get to a point where it's hard to trust ourselves. And while it's hard to trust ourselves, we're also going to see in this passage that it's hard to trust others, too. You've probably been hurt in your life in one way or another, and somebody has cut you. Maybe it's been somebody, a friend or an enemy, or, or somebody has hurt you, and, and you've lost trust, not only in that person, but in all people for at least a little bit of time. And we're going to see that today, that, that it's hard to trust others, and it's hard to trust ourselves, but we can always trust Jesus. And the reason we can always trust Jesus is because he holds the future and because he is our rescuer. Let's read Mark 14, 12 to 31. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters. The teacher asks, where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, truly, I tell you. One of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one, they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Uh, Pastor Art uh, gave us one hint on how to understand what the key theme in a passage is, and that's to look for repeated phrases. And three times in this section, Jesus says, Truly I tell you. Jesus is saying that you can trust me, and and whatever he says in this passage either shows that he is trustworthy and shows that whatever he says will come true. Contrary to this, almost everything anyone else says in this uh, passage shows that they can't be trusted in one way or another. This passage starts and ends with stories of of people either betraying him or following away or disowning him. It starts by Jesus talking about how one of his disciples would betray him. Now, earlier in the book of Mark, we know that Jesus said that this betrayal would be to his death. But not until this point had Jesus said that it was going to be one of his 12 disciples. One of the 12 closest people that that walked with him, that ate with him, that he taught, that he cared for, that he listened to, one of his 12 closest friends would betray him. You may have been betrayed in in your past by by somebody close to you, somebody who you cared for. Maybe he was a close friend and, and they hurt you. And you know that a stab in the back hurts the most when it's somebody who's closest to you. And this is what Jesus is sharing in this moment. Now, they all said, "Uh, surely this can't be me. But if we read the whole passage, just a couple verses earlier in verse 10, it says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. Judas had already decided to betray Jesus and already had his plans in motion to betray Jesus and was lying through his teeth when he was kind of questioning of, no, this this wouldn't be me, surely surely it wouldn't be me that betrays others. And Judas is showing that he can't be trusted. But the other's response isn't a great response either to show care and kindness because they don't even seem to care that Jesus is going to be betrayed by one of the twelve. They only care that they are one of the culprits, one of the suspects, that that surely it's not me. No, maybe it's somebody else, but you can't mean me, Jesus. And they show their selfishness in the way that they respond to Jesus talking about how he'd be betrayed and hurt. We all do this at different times in different ways. When somebody's talking to us, we may start to figure out what our answer is going to be before we even continue to listen to them completely. Or maybe when somebody tells you something that's happening in your life, you may think, oh, that means I'm going to have to do this, this, and this, and not really care that something hard or harsh is happening to them. I know I have to catch myself on a daily basis of of thinking these selfish thoughts about how does this affect me, rather than thinking and loving and caring for others. Jesus, on the other hand, he actually shows empathy and care for the one who will betray him. In verse... um, uh, sorry, in verse 21, it says, The Son of Man will go just as, as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Jesus is showing care, showing empathy for the one who would betray him, where all the disciples were only caring about themselves when Jesus would be betrayed. People are showing their selfish nature in them, and, and it sh- means that we can't always trust others. The passage continues, and after eating supper, Jesus says that you will all fall away. Now, it's not just uh, Judas. It's all of them. All 12 of the closest people to Jesus would fall away from him. Peter doesn't believe this could could be true and and says, uh, even if all fall away, I will not. I mean, he's, he's kind of being pretty prideful in that answer. He's like, even if, you know, James falls away, even if James would give you up and, and run away, he kind of seems like a scaredy cat and he doesn't have much courage, but, but not me. I'd never do that. And Peter's trusting in himself just as we can trust in ourselves, saying things that, no, I would never do this. No, I would never do that. But in little ways and in big ways, we do that too. Growing up, I had a a great family and I was part of a really great church and I never thought I would get into a party scene until I went into university. And I started uh, spending time in the dorms and and changing my friends and not getting connected to a church and and all these things led me down a, a path that led me to things that I thought I would never do. We can't always trust ourselves because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know where we're going to go down this line and we will fail if we're completely trusting in ourselves. Peter was trusting in himself. Jesus says that actually, Peter, you're you're gonna disown me three times tonight before tomorrow morning. You're gonna deny that you even know me. Peter was emphatic. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. See, uh, where Judas was lying through his teeth about being a betrayer, I believe Peter actually thought that he would never disown Jesus. But when the time came, Peter didn't even think about it. Peter disowned Jesus three times that very night. Verse 50 says, Everyone deserted him and fled. Jesus' prediction came true, they all went away even though they all thought that they'd always be with Jesus, they'd never leave Jesus. And it happened just in a few hours later. This passage shows us that, that we can't always trust others. Even Jesus' closest friends, he couldn't trust to be with him through all those times. Now, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't be in community. Jesus showed us the value of community because he decided to invest in friendships, invest in these 12 people, even though he knew that they'd fall away from him at this time. Just this past weekend, I had a great experience where I went on a hike and and I was able to share the stories of of myself and these three uh, three other guys. And we went really deep and we were vulnerable and we built trust with one another as we shared some of the hardships and some of the struggles in our lives. And we were able to build community. And that's an important thing that, that Jesus talks about and Jesus shows us. But we can't put our ultimate hope in others. We can't put our ultimate trust in others because people will fail. We can't trust, we can't always trust others. And as Peter showed us, we can't always trust ourselves. Whether we think we're going to never go skydiving or marry a pastor or or go down a, a slope of sin and do things that we never think we would do. We can't trust ourselves. But the good news is, that this passage shows us that we can always trust Jesus. The first reason we can always trust Jesus is because he holds the future. Multiple times in this passage, Jesus predicts what's going to happen, and it happens. The first one happens when he instructs two of his disciples to go into Jerusalem, and they're going to see a man with a, with a jar of water on his head. Now, this is something strange, because usually it was women that carried the jars of water. And the disciples go into the town and it says in verse 16 that they found things just as Jesus had told them. Jesus knew what was going to happen and and ordained it and, and they went forward and that's what happened. Jesus holds the future. I don't know if Jesus knew this supernaturally, Or maybe he arranged it on the side without his disciples knowing about it, with someone was gonna meet them at the edge of town with a water in their head and they'd go in. One way or another, it doesn't matter. Jesus ordained this to happen and he holds the future. But Jesus also supernaturally knew some other things. He knew that Judas would betray him. He knew that uh, all the disciples would, would flee when he would be arrested. And he knew that Peter would deny him three times. But Jesus doesn't just hold the future for now. He doesn't just hold the future for the rest of the the passage. Jesus holds our eternity as well. In verse 25, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Now, we can easily just read over this passage without understanding it. But when Mark wrote this to the first century uh, Jewish people, they would have realized that this is a, a, a huge statement. That Jesus isn't just talking about uh, later on he'd be drinking a cup, but, but he's referencing the time when God's kingdom would come, when, when all of evil would be vanquished, when the day of judgment comes and God's goodness and love and justice reigns for all who follow him, for all of his people. And Jesus would be reigning with God forever. Jesus doesn't just hold our our today, he doesn't just hold our tomorrow, he doesn't just hold um, whatever the next year is going to look like for us, but he holds eternity. This is comforting us for a few reasons. I mean, we've been through a lot of strain in the past year. One of the main reasons is because there's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen next. Whether it's politically or or with the pandemic or government regulations, we don't know what's going to happen day to day, let alone week to week. And it can be frustrating to listen to the news and and know what's going to happen next because there's not really any clear answers of what's going to happen. And while we may not get those clear answers from the news or experts or the government, Jesus is showing that we can trust in him because he holds the future. Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, when Jeremiah wrote this, he was talking to people who are in slavery or who are going to be in slavery for 70 years. So that, that verse doesn't mean that we're not going to go through hardship. We're not going to go through t- trials. Jesus knew that that he himself in Mark 14, he was going to be crucified. He was going to have hardships. He was going to have tribulations. And we don't have to be surprised when hard things come in our life. But Jesus tells us that I hold your future, not just for next week, not just for next month, but for eternity. And we can trust that he is the sovereign God who holds our future. We can also trust Jesus in this passage, it shows, because he is our Passover lamb. The Passover meal is, is what's central in this text. Now, the Passover meal was, was part of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and it celebrated when Israel was freed from the Egyptians uh, in Egypt thousands of years earlier. Now, the Egyptians were controlling the Israelites in slavery. And Moses went up to Pharaoh. You may have heard the story. Uh, Then Pharaoh says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And God sent plague after plague to invite Pharaoh to let the Israelites go and release them from slavery. And he kept on saying no until the 10th plague, when God said that, that the next day, all of the firstborn sons in every home would die. But God also said that if you instead, he told the Israelites that if you kill a lamb and you put its blood on the doorposts, the angel of death would pass over your house and then your firstborn son would be saved. Timothy Keller says, in every household there was either a dead child or a dead lamb. The next day this happened and anyone who had, who had trusted that, that killing the lamb would save their son were free, and there was only a dead lamb in their house. But anyone who didn't do this, including the Egyptians, including Pharaoh, all of the firstborn sons in the land were dead. And Jesus freed the Israelites from this time. So every year, there's, there's detailed instructions in the Torah, which is our Old Testament. And then traditions were added year after year. So this celebration of, of Passover and unleavened bread was something that was very specific, and, they, and they, it happened the same way year after year after year. But as Jesus celebrates it here, he follows some of the traditions. But other traditions, he changes. And, and we don't really understand that from our 20th century uh, looking at this. But if we could see the disciples, I'm pretty sure that some of them, their, their jaws would have dropped as Jesus said some of these things. Or maybe they had a confused look on their face and, and questioning, like, what is Jesus doing? Who does he think he is? But Jesus, he knows the ultimate purpose of Passover. And it wasn't to look back at how, how, G, how God saved the Israelites from Egypt. The ultimate purpose of Passover was to look forward to Jesus and his sacrifice. That he is the rescuer. He is the savior. That when we trust in him, he will free us once and for all. Not just from uh, slavery in Egypt, but from slavery from our sins. Slavery from our hurt. Slavery from death. And that we can trust in him. Jesus points to himself in in different ways in uh, the Passover meal. First of all, he says that Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. He's unifying himself with the bread that represented freedom from slavery. And then he took a, a cup and he said that this is my blood just like the blood that they smeared over the doorpost so that the angel of death would, fall, would go over it. And that this is the new covenant. And it's not based on, on this old religious system. It's not based on sacrificing animals anymore. And, and that's how you become free and trusting that the animal's death would replace your own death. And, and that continued for many years. But Jesus is saying there's a new covenant coming that's built on what I'm going to do tomorrow. Because the next day he he would go and he would be killed. He would be crucified. And Jesus claims that that he is the bread and he is the wine. But one thing that Mark doesn't mention in this passage is the center point of most Passover meals, and that was the the Passover lamb. There's no Passover lamb mentioned in Mark because Mark is trying to tell us that Jesus is the Passover lamb the once and for all Passover lamb that we don't need to sacrifice lambs anymore to, to have our freedom, to have our, to save from sin, to save from slavery, from sin and death and pain and hurt. But Jesus is the one who has come to rescue us. We can trust in Jesus because he is our Passover lamb. We can trust in Jesus because he is our rescuer and our entire faith is built on him. 1 Corinthians fifteen three says this plainly, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. The entire Old Testament was pointing to our need for Jesus and pointing that he is the sacrifice for our sins and we can find life and life abundantly in him. And it's not about how good we are. We don't have to trust in ourselves. Because Jesus had this meal with his, his disciples, the one who would fall away, the ones who would disown Him. It's not about getting our lives right. It's about trusting His sacrifice for us. That even though we don't have everything together, we can come to Him. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While all of His disciples fell away from Jesus, He died for them. And as they learned throughout their life to, rather than trusting in themselves, they could trust in Jesus. They found new life, they found new purpose, and they could live out what God had called them to do, and to do great things. Peter said that he would even die for Christ, and that evening he was wrong. He would run away. But later in his journey, in his faith, as he learned to trust in God over himself, He found that he would go through difficult circumstances. He would get through trials and tribulation. And eventually he would die for the name of Jesus. But it's not because he was trusting in himself. It was because he was trusting in God. In God in him, in God living through him. And in Jesus as his rescuer and as his Passover lamb. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. Some of you here uh, may be listening and and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. And and maybe some of you may have once felt like you're a Christian, but you fell away. I wanna invite you, maybe you've never chosen this before, but maybe you wanna rededicate your life to, to follow Jesus, to trust in him, to realize that you can't trust in yourself, that you can't make yourself perfect. You can't make yourself right in the eyes of a perfect and holy God but I'll invite you to trust in Jesus as your Passover lamb and then trust in him with the rest of your life. You can do that right now in your own way. Just saying that you need Jesus as a Passover lamb and accepting what he did for you and trust him throughout the rest of your life. If you made that decision for a first time or maybe you want to rededicate your life to him, I invite you to hit the button in the comments if you're watching live online. If not, please reach out to us because we want to celebrate this with you and we want to help you take your next steps in your faith journey, whatever that looks like. If you are a follower of Jesus, I'm going to invite you uh, to get your elements for communion now as we celebrate this part of the Passover meal. Jesus revolved the whole Passover meal around him. So I invite you to, to take the bread. That this is Jesus' body. And that because of his body broken for you, that you can follow him, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what sin you may be going through, no matter how broken you are and how you realize you can't trust in yourself, or maybe you've been trusting others. But I want to invite you, take the bread and accept that Jesus is the bread of life. Then Jesus took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Let's take the the blood of the covenant to accept what Jesus has done for us. Peter tried to trust himself. And he couldn't do it. And, and we can try to trust ourselves and, and we can fail over and over and over again. And, and maybe that's where you're at right now in your life. You're feeling broken. And, and you can't uh, completely trust yourself. And you're just at a place where you're not sure what to do. But to come to that realization is a good thing. Because we don't have to put the pressure of trusting ourselves. Because Jesus is our Passover lamb and we can trust in him. We don't have to put the pressure on ourselves. We can accept what he has done for us. So today, wherever you're at, whatever your week looked like, whether it was a great week or whether you really struggled this week. Maybe somebody betrayed you. Maybe somebody hurt you and and you've been putting some trust in other people. But I want to invite you to put your ultimate trust in Jesus because he holds the future and he is our Passover lamb. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that that you hold the future not only just today, not just tomorrow, but for eternity, for thousands and millions and billions of years. And that you were our Passover lambs that we can enter that eternity with you. I pray that you help us to follow you with with everything we have, to trust in you and not to put our trust in, in what anything else is happening. Not to put our trust in other people as we grow in community, but it points to you and your goodness and your love. I thank you for who you are and the sacrifice you made with your son dying on the cross so that he could be our Passover lamb and rescue us from our sins.